Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for choosing Pilot Program. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and put your tray tables in the upright and locked position. Enjoy your flight. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me. Let's float down to Peru. Good afternoon, passengers. This is your Captain Chase Kenneke speaking. The date is December 13th, uh, 2022, and the temperature is 49 degrees out here in beautiful St. Louis. Actually, it's not beautiful. It's raining right now. Uh, um, uh, my, uh, along with me, as always, is my co-pilot, Pierce Crochane. Hello, Pierce. Hi. Good to be back. It's colder here. Yeah. Is, it, is it really colder there? We're doxing ourselves. You're in wow. St. Louis. I'm in Connecticut, and it's yeah. colder. Come find me, cowards. Yep. <laughs> uh, you're in flight. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> no, don't don't come find me. I'm not challenging anyone to come find me. <laughs> Only chases. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you're in flight entertainment this evening. We'll be on WWF. Well, at the time, it was WWF. Now it's WWE. Uh, Monday Night Raw. Hell and, yeah. Uh, I don't first... know why I was so excited about this episode, but I <laughs> oh, yeah. was excited and I kind of still am excited. Well, we'll uh, we'll dig way into Raw here in a second. But first, Pierce, the eternal question we ask ourselves, what did you did you watch any more of the boys from our I last did episode? Not, no, I did. And uh, uh, oh, you did. OK, I did. I What'd watched, you think? I watched one more episode of the boys. I watched episode two of the boys. Uh, here's the crazy thing, Pierce. OK. The Invisible Man, not dead. Translucent. Yeah. Turns out he was alive. That was his name, right? Yeah, it was. Very, very uh, good yes, memory. Okay. Uh, he was still alive. And episode two is about putting him in like a little cage and trying to figure out a way to actually kill him before uh, the the important guy. I can't. Oh, God. I can't remember the the name of the, the big hero. Uh, the, the American guy. The seven. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Apparently, all the superheroes have chips in them, so it was about, uh, are we going to be able to kill this motherfucker uh, before uh, the guy finds out and comes and murders all of us? And uh, Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It was... I. Yeah, okay. So, so the, I guess, I don't really care what happened in episode two. I really only care if you are going to watch episode three. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> um, I, after watching episode two, I felt that this show got uh, simultaneously a lot more interesting and a lot less interesting. And at that point I'm like, you know what? I think I'm, I, I think I'm probably fine. I've, I've seen what I need to see here. Those two statements contradict each other, but they do. They do. I'm an enigma. Okay. And so is the boys, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why we're I like, here. I love that. We are just willfully ignorant about this show. That's the we point. Were willfully that ignorant the going point into the it. show. Yeah. Like there are going to be, there are going to be episodes of the show when we both have not watched a thing and literally it's our ignorance that is the point of the episode um this is not one of those episodes i mean it kind of is and kind of is well for me Um, yeah so i i have watched wrestling a good bit uh you have not have you watched any wrestling in your life so you asked this question in our notes Mm -hmm. and i was trying to think i I don't think i was allowed to watch wrestling when i was younger Mm -hmm. my parents thought it was sort of um mind-numbing why would they uh, think that (laughs) i know but there was an omnipresence to the uh, attitude era 
in the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. that I feel like I consumed a lot of wrestling content at that time to make me think that I watched a lot of wrestling. Like I knew who The Rock was, and I knew who the Triple H was, and um, the Triple H, of yes. course, is what yes. his name is. Hunter Hearst um, Helmsley. Yep, yep. Uh, the Blue Blood. So, and I feel like I played the the N64 games. Sure, so yes, the classics. I There was a lot of... Um, WWF media that I was, and they were all over advertisements also at the time. Um, but I don't. Did think you ever I snap into a Slim Jim Pierce? Yeah. Okay. I like Slim Jims. Yeah. I still like Slim Jims. Do well, I mean, like they absolutely still make Slim Jims. I okay. was referencing <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage's uh, commercial spots with Slim Jims. Okay. Well, I don't remember that part. He's the I, one like, who said I'm... snap into a. Well, he did at one point. Oh really? Oh wait. Maybe maybe my memory is just very <laughs> bad. But I only remember certain wrestlers and Macho Man Randy Savage, who is in this episode of uh, Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. was always sort of like this legacy character. Like I knew he was from the eighties. Yeah. But I didn't know anything beyond that. So I, I suppose when he if he appeared in something like that, I would understand that he is a a, a classic hero. We'll we'll ways. talk about Macho Man. I think uh, I think that was part of the problem with him is that uh, he uh, did not think he was past his prime and probably honestly wasn't. Uh, but other people uh, in more prominent positions did, which is why he was not wrestling on this episode, but was featured okay. on this episode. So, yeah, we'll we'll get into that. I sure. I don't want this full episode to be just me explaining wrestling things to you. But at the same time, God it's going to no. be it's going to be a lot of that because I think that's going to okay. be kind of fun. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you that I've 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 watched a decent amount of wrestling in my life. Uh, I also kind of grew up on the on the Attitude Era. I, I watched a lot of WWF stuff. I didn't watch too much WCW stuff at the time when the Monday Night War stuff was going on. Um, and then I fell out of love, fell out of wrestling for a really long time, and then kind of got back to it when I was older and realized uh, some of these people are still wrestling. What the fuck? <laughs> Shouldn't all these people be for a long time. dead or broken yeah. now? And most, and some of them are. Yeah. Um, but some the, of them to are, read are the still Wikipedia gone. entries of any wrestler that you liked in the '90s is just a tale of tragedy. Pierce, I did not put this in our notes, but I have another full note telling you where all of these wrestlers ended up, and we are going to talk about. No, we're going to hit end recording and then we can talk about that. Uh, the world no. does not need to hear about that. I don't know. Some, some of them we have to talk about. Um, but I, I've recently gotten back into wrestling with things like uh, Raw's been fine. Uh, AEW, I've been enjoying AEW a lot. Is the, the one, new one. yeah. That people, um, like people that like wrestling are always like, watch AEW now. Don't mm-hmm. watch WWE it, it's, now. It's pretty good now. And then even before that was a, a show called Lucha Underground, which was on the El Rey Network, um, okay. which... You might know from playing every Godzilla movie ever made, and basically that's all they have. <laughs> uh, but at one point, they had an original program called Lucha Underground that had some really cool, uh, both wrestling and some backstage kind of uh, Latin soap opera stuff to what they were doing. It was very cool. I love this. Um, yeah, we uh, we will absolutely one day, not anytime soon, because I, I don't think I can get you to watch another wrestling thing for a long while. But Lucha Underground is absolutely on our master list of pilots to watch someday for the show. Uh, anyway, so we're going to talk about WWF Monday Night Raw. I have not seen this first episode of Monday Night Raw until we did it for for this uh, podcast. So I also have a little bit of newness to this, but I am familiar with many of the names here. And uh, and at least some of the stuff that's going on. So Monday Night Raw 
first aired January 11th, 1993 on the USA Network. Uh, it also uh, it would eventually go to TNN, which then turned into Spike TV. Uh, now it's back on USA, although it did have a handful of shows that were on the Sci-Fi Channel and also the the Syfy Channel okay. when they changed Sci-Fi to SYFY. Because uh, I guess that's okay. Better no one SEO. called it the Syfy Channel. They this didn't. They didn't. Okay. Um, but it uh, it sucked enough that I had to say it. Um, Pierce, I, what do you? What do you know about wrestling of this era? You you said you didn't watch it, so I assume you don't have any real context of what Monday Night Raw is or what was happening at the time, yeah? Yeah, I would say that my understanding of wrestling in the early 90s was that it was a transis, transitory, transis, transitory, trans, transitionary? It was, it was, yeah, transitionary, thank you, uh, period of wrestling in that, like, the 80s were sort of this golden era of wrestling with Hulk and mm-hmm. the 90s to me, late 90s were always the Attitude Era, The Rock, um, Kane, The sure. Undertaker. I'm just naming wrestlers that you're, I remember. You're doing era. very well. At, very good job at naming wrestlers. Tight. <laughs> nice. Uh, and so the early 90s to me were this sort of um, blank space in my memory or in my knowledge base. It is for I a lot kind of people. This is yeah, not. I just assume that it was kind of the best era in between eras. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it. So I, I don't want to give you the full breakdown of the history of professional wrestling here, but wrestling used to be uh, what they called the territories, where each different section of the United States and, and other places, but United States specifically, because that's what we're talking about here, um, had their own promotions. St. Louis okay. specifically had a promotion that was you know, very regional, but very popular. Um New York had a territory. There was uh, championship wrestling from Florida or whatever, and that was in Florida. Like there were there were spi- spaces that were all cut up all over the all over the place, and sometimes you would get big stars that would travel from territory to territory, and they, you know, you'd have your champion. He'd travel in. He'd beat up your local guys, but oh, it'd be really cool to see the big champ take on our local hero, and you know, he'd give him a little a uh, little shine on him uh to be like yeah well hey i lost to that guy but i'm still better than all you scrubs um okay. and that's how wrestling was for a long time then what happened is a man named vincent j mcmahon um who is the father of vincent kennedy mcmahon who we will talk more about when it comes to monday night raw uh, he had the the promotion in new york uh which was uh, it had another name at one point, but it's the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. And at some point, they dropped the one of the Fs or one of the Ws. Uh, <laughs> dropped um, the F eventually as well. And they they also did that. They got the F out, as uh, as they say. Um, so that promotion started to get bigger. And they left what was, I believe, called the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, that was all of these territories kind of agreeing. And that's why you'd get that cross-promotional stuff. Um, He's like, you know what? I think we're doing okay. We don't need that. Um, And they ended up getting some big enough stars. They had Andre the Giant, who you might know as a Mm -hmm. wrestler. Uh, He was was very popular. And eventually the territories were like, okay, we get it. You... You have a very popular thing. We also want Andre the Giant in our promotion, so we're going to work with you as well, uh, which just gave them more and more power. <laughs> they had the, the, the bomb. They had the, the weapon of mass <laughs> pretty destruction. Much. That pretty much. One, one to, yeah, um, eventually too. 
so Vincent J. McMahon eventually left the business to his son, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, uh, or Vincent K. McMahon Jr., whatever you whatever you prefer. He doesn't like when people say junior. Uh, I'm sure junior. he does not. Yeah, yeah. He does not. Well, Seems he doesn't like, like a lot of things now, and people don't Shh. care anymore. We'll, we'll talk about that, too. Um, so he, when he took over, this is kind of where television was, was becoming bigger, and they were one of the, the only uh, promotions that got a nationally broadcast show. And specifically cable television i'm assuming uh i think so i yeah it was never on the big four never the big three whatever it was i mean raw raw wasn't but it's possible they had some other because because the way wrestling was presented to other people has also changed a lot especially on tv um the the point is at this at this moment in wrestling times in the in the early 90s uh they had a weekly show it was called uh what the hell was it called it was uh primetime wrestling primetime wrestling thank you and primetime wrestling was basically a recap show of here's some stuff that we recorded from house shows that we would have done in other places and eventually would become like oh this is like a round table thing where we're just going to talk a little bit about what's going on we can promote other matches we can have wrestlers on on the it's like the it's like the view with wrestlers. I watched one episode of primetime uh, in preparation for this episode, and it was like, hey, here are two people who can only talk wrestling. And then one guy trying to moderate the thing as like a normal moderator. And none of the segments were very long and they would always push to, OK, let's look at a match. And then the matches would be, you know, kind of whatever. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the best. So there was never so so primetime wrestling wasn't a, a like a one night event. It was like it this? was, but they were not showing live matches. Then they were kind of recapping okay, what so, was going okay, on. Uh, they uh, were talking see, yeah. about their their like magazine. You want to hear more yeah. about what's going on with the Undertaker? Well, you should buy the WWF magazine. Um, promoting big matches for the pay per views that were coming up. Pay per views were still a big thing at that point. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of let's just collect what we can and do kind of a show that promotes the the big things that are actually going to make us more money. Um, and and they decided they really needed a format change here. That things were kind of declining in, in terms of of viewership, and they just it, the show was also pretty expensive to produce. Uh, weirdly enough, even though it was mostly just yeah. a, a roundtable show. Um, so what they ended up doing and deciding on was this idea for Monday Night Raw and Monday Night Raw had two goals. The first was to save money, um, to do this. What they decided to do was rent out a smaller venue instead of, instead of going to all the bigger venues that they did. They still did that for pay-per-views, but, um, now if they, if they could just stay in one place and have one single small venue that they could be in, maybe that could save them some money. And they ended up picking the grand ballroom in the Manhattan center, of New York City, and uh, we'll talk about why that was a bad idea here in a second. Uh, and the second goal <laughs> was to bring a little bit more energy to the show, and to do that, they decided to produce it live, um, which was a great idea, but also was a bit of a problem. So here, here's the here's the issue with Monday Night Raw. This it worked for this first episode, and we'll talk about that. But uh, eventually, they found out, you know, renting this ballroom is pretty fucking expensive too <laughs> um, in new york city yeah in new york They're city not, this isn't poughkeepsie this also is... the grand ballroom is on the seventh floor uh and all they have are passenger elevators they don't even have a freight elevator so if you want to build and dismantle that ring 
uh, every time because you only get it for the one night uh, and then you have to come back the next week to do it again because they use that ballroom for other things. Uh, you have to keep dismantling and taking down pieces at a time on these terrible tiny elevators. Uh, it, it just wasn't working for them. So what they ended up doing for a while was that they would rent out the ballroom for a longer period of time and per per night. And they would record they would record multiple shows on in a single night, which meant okay. only part of it was live <laughs> uh, because the other shows that you produced, you would put out on the, the following weeks so uh would they get rid of the audience would they swap in a new audience that would think this i don't is i don't know i don't know okay. about that they they might have kept the same audience sometimes i i have not gone back and watched enough episodes of those old raws to to check and <laughs> see is that guy still there <laughs> yeah. are they still wearing the, the same, same clothes yeah, yeah exactly um so <laughs> in that way yeah, it was kind of live sometimes, and sometimes it wasn't. And also this thing that was supposed to save them money was actually pretty expensive. Uh, eventually, they would move. Uh, the the uh, concept was still popular enough, though, that eventually they decided we should take the show on the road. And that is relatively Which is what close. they were kind of doing beforehand anyway. So they had some at least knowledge overlap of that. Yeah, and I think they still did house shows, even with Raw, so they were still going to places and doing wrestling events, but they kind of had, like, this one main show to do Raw. Um, But then they decided, you know what, fuck it, let's just take Raw on the road, and it was popular enough at the time, and that's what they're still doing. Raw Raw goes around, well, it wasn't in 2020. Uh, They they, uh, kept it in one building. because of covid stuff of course and uh, but now it's back out traveling and, and you can go see raw in your town if you wait enough time or maybe smackdown or maybe a house show or maybe a pay-per-view they'll they'll do them all um so that's kind of where we are now but let's get back to 1993 here let's talk about raw pierce without telling me the matches that happen can you just tell me like tell tell an alien here what an episode of Raw is like. What are what are you getting? What are you in for when you turn on an episode of Monday Night Raw? Sure. So again, context. I've only seen this episode of Raw. I've never seen another episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. I have barely seen any other wrestling. The wrestling that I have seen is clips, um, Twitter <laughs> captures. Sure. Um, so to me, this uh, was seen as very much like a live sports event where there is an announcer, there is an athletic event happening, and there's a crowd there for it. And the way that they structured the matches were like a, a boxing match in that the lower rungs of the competition go first, and there are multiple matches, and it ends with the whatever the heavyweight championship is or whatever the belt. Um, that yeah, it's, it's a card. The, like, you, yeah. you end with your main a card. Event. Yeah, sure. yeah, it's a card. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of like the the episode starts with like a man on the street sort of thing. It actually starts with a narrative right away. It doesn't start with a um, like a sports analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I knew that there was going to be some hammy um, uh, broadcasting work, but they pretty much get to the wrestling very quickly. Uh, I was honestly a little surprised that this is the first episode of Monday Night Raw and I they didn't really feel like it in in a lot of ways. It's it's not like you have man on the street going 
Welcome. This is the first edition of Monday Night Raw. This is the first time we're ever doing this, and we're doing it at the Manhattan Center. Yeah. It's it's more of just, hey, yeah, this is Monday Night Raw. Uh, welcome. Yeah. And welcome to the. Yeah. I mean, they say their the they New say York their City. catchphrase a ton of times during this episode of the uh, Raw. It's yeah. uncut. Uh, uncooked it's uncut yes they say it in different combinations too so who knows what the real what the real order of uncensored uncooked uncut is supposed to be um but that is that's the only indication that this might be the first episode of of raw everything else just seems like it was a seamless transition from uh primetime wrestling to to monday night raw yeah it did it very much seemed live even that who's the opening um Coca Beware uh, and Man Yokozuna. Oh no, sorry. You mean uh, Sean Mooney yeah. is his name. Sean, Sean Mooney. Yeah. Even he like stumbles over some words mm-hmm. that he's trying to say. Hey, it's live. Pierce. It wasn't like they tried. Yeah, it's live. So they didn't try to run it again or anything. It's yeah. just in that episode forever. Um, yeah, I think probably the best way for us to talk about this, uh, unlike other shows where we might talk about it more generally or, or bounce around to things, I think due to the way this is set up as a card and has a lot of different little story things going on, it's probably easiest just to run it down as it's happening and, and talk about the things that happen. So like you said, Sean Mooney starts out, he's, uh, he's introducing man on street stuff. Oh, it's, it's really big deal that we're all in the ballroom. And then you have Bobby, the brain Heenan, who is a classic. Uh, he wrestled, he wrestled sometimes, but he was, uh, at this point in his career, he is a manager and a commentator. In fact, he was a yeah, commentator, like a promoter, or like a host of some kind. To, yeah, to the untrained eye. Totally. He he would be. He had like his own stable of guys. Like these are Bobby Heenan guys who he would, you know, be in charge of. Uh, it's because he could talk, and a lot of these other wrestlers couldn't. Didn't could not put two good words together. So you had Bobby Heenan there to sing their praises and build them up and make sure that they never actually had to hold a microphone and talk themselves. You'd see that a lot in wrestling then and even today. Um, like you get it's not currently what's happening, but you had Paul Heyman talking for Brock Lesnar um, for a while because, you know, Brock Lesnar didn't want to fucking talk on a microphone. He's gotten better at yeah. it, but he, sometimes he just doesn't want to. It's nice to have a guy who can just say the things that you want to say better than you can. Um, Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, he was also a commentator. And I guess the storyline before this is that he got kicked off primetime wrestling uh, when they're moving over to Monday Night Raw. It's not explained at all. Not not really. He just shows up and he's trying to sneak into the venue and they won't let him sneak in. Yeah. The only context that we have is when they actually get into the venue that they say we have this new broadcaster guy with us and that's Rob Bartlett. And Pierce, any discussion of this first episode of Raw uh, begins and ends with how much this motherfucker sucks. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he he does kind of suck. He yeah. ruined like he this made entire he sucks show. so bad that like I know Vince McMahon is a deplorable human being. Uh huh. But at the same time, I was like Vince McMahon's kind of like he's kind of killing it in this episode. He seems, by comparison, much more obviously buttoned up. But at the same time, like he cares. I mean, <laughs> he cares about the product that's on the screen. He does. He does. But this you also have to remember this is a different era of Vince. Um. You know, yes, he owns the company, which is which is very weird because it if if you never watched if you never knew the context that Vince McMahon owns WWF slash E and he doesn't anymore. But uh, 
I don't think you would have been able to watch this show and go, oh, yeah, that's the guy who owns everything. He's just the lead announcer yeah. here. That's that's he's all he kind of is. He's the Al Michaels. He's the play by play guy. And he does fine. He does. Like, he does a great job at that. Um, I, I think it's probably one of the best things he's ever done. Um, yeah. Certainly better than some of the things he did later when he ran the company. But uh, and and potentially earlier at the same time, he did some bad shit. Um, also that. Yeah. <laughs> but Rob, bad guy. Rob Bartlett is, is we're not a, uh, man. So the broadcast team is Rob Bartlett, who um, this guy, he is a com comedian. And I use that term pretty loosely. He uh, is a writer or was a writer and performer on the Don Imus radio show, which uh, I think tells you all you really need to know that this mm -hmm. guy sucks. But they bring him in as a, a, a younger, edgier guy who might appeal to a younger, edgier audience that Raw is going for. I get why you Even do this. Probably in his 40s. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's more popular. He's certainly younger than Bobby Heenan was. <laughs> um, yeah. And he just ruins the whole thing. He's got tacky jokes. He's got racist jokes. You especially here in the first match that we'll talk about. Uh, he interrupts all the time. He has nothing to add when it comes to a wrestling part. And to balance that out, you have Macho Man Randy Savage on on the mic too. Uh, Macho Man, fantastic talker, one of the best talkers of all time in wrestling. And he he brings that charisma that you know him for, but he also brings some knowledge of fucking wrestling and and yeah. how to talk about a guy to make them sound good uh to to help them out to do better business in the future and he's trying his best sometimes to fix the shit that rob bartlett is saying and sometimes it's just not possible when you're when you're talking about yokozuna who is yeah who's supposed to be this big monster guy who's going to go on and do some really great things in this very year in in this very month he does some big things and we'll talk about that too um you got Rob Bartlett going, oh, uh, yeah, it's the guy in the diaper. <laughs> like, fuck, just yeah. shut the fuck up, man. This dude's 500 I, pounds and he's murdering this man. And you cannot joke about it. Like, this is your this is the biggest guy you've got in the company right now. So I think you're you're getting a little ahead of yourself. I probably we yeah. start with this. We're on the street. Yes. And and Bobby Heen. Heen is Heen. Heen. Mm -hmm. OK, sure. I spelled it wrong. A million you did. Times in the, uh, That's OK. <laughs> in different ways, too. Um. He's being denied entry to the venue. Uh, they they do a, a quick uh, intro scene, a quick like um, you know, welcome to Monday Night Raw uh, title card thing that I thought was really cool because it was very '90s wailing guitar, yeah, flashing good motion graphics, like, good yeah, good motion graphics. Good stuff. Um, and then they go into the arena, and that's where the the three broadcasters are: Vince McMahon, Watchman, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett. And then the first match kicks off very quickly, mm -hmm. um, which is Coco Beware and uh, who's the other one? What's his name? Yoko. Yokozuna. Yokozuna. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So Yokozuna is this massive. Uh, his gimmick is that he's a sumo wrestler from Japan. Mm -hmm. um, he weighs 500 pounds. Coco Beware didn't really seem like he had a gimmick. He was just a wrestler with a very 90s edge. So he had the neon on. He, he had the flat top on. He does have a gimmick. You don't see it in this episode. He has a parrot. He has a pet parrot that he brings to the uh, ring with him sometimes. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, he did not bring the parrot, so the gimmick was kind of lost. Uh, there was there was no explanation of like why these two wrestlers were paired together at all. I did not know that this was a type of how, 
opening for all wrestling matches until I read your notes. This is what they call a squash, a squash match, which is you don't need to know anything about Coco Beware. If you didn't know anything about Coco Beware, it's that he's a pretty well loved guy who just, you know, it isn't one of your like upper guys, but he's like a good mid tier guy. Um, and Yokozuna is your fucking monster who you want to make it look as good as possible going into this pay-per-view called the Royal Rumble. So you want him to seem like he's this big badass. Unbeatable. Uh, yeah. Totally unbeatable. Yeah. And he is. He is unbeatable here. He he crushes Coco Beware uh, literally with his with his ass. <laughs> um, he sits sits right on top of the man and there's nothing more you can do. Um so you didn't need to know anything about Coco Beware. All you needed to know is that that guy's a fucking monster and whatever he does, he's probably going to win, right? There's no way he could lose. Um, Pierce, you want a little interesting couple notes on uh, <laughs> on our friend Yokozuna here? Sure. Make it quick, though. We sure. Uh, <laughs> we, we do. Um, he's He wasn't an actual Yokozuna. Uh, he actually never uh, was a sumo wrestler. Uh, he's not even Japanese. He's Samoan. <laughs> of course. Of course. Like, I assume all of these fucking racist ass gimmicks are portrayed by people who are not of that culture. Not all the time, but at least in this case, ab- absolutely. Um, Yokozuna's real name is, uh, Agatupo Anoi. Um, he is part of the Anoi clan in, in Samoa. He is family to people like The Rock and Roman Reigns. Um, so he's got, he's got some familial ties to, to WWE specifically. Um, he went on to win the 1993 Royal Rumble, which was the, the big pay-per-view that they're building up to in this episode. And, uh, and then that gets him a chance to take on Brett, the Hitman Hart for the WWF championship at WrestleMania nine, which would also happen in 1993, where he would win that too. And he would, he would win the title. He'd be the champion for for um this for this year like that they're building up for that and that's that's what he did and he kicked ass and he did his thing um uh unfortunately uh he is he is now dead he he died on october 23rd 2000 from a pulmonary edema at age 34 and was posthumously inducted in the wwe hall of fame in 2012 sad stuff it's only gonna get sadder (laughs) um But yeah, I think it was a it was a solid first match to to just kind of give you what this thing's going to be about. Um, man, Rob Bartlett was just a real piece of shit. There's so time. much racism in the in the first match. Um, and a lot of stereotypes that yep. are not something that you could repeat now, and not something stuff that should not be repeated now. Um, and part of that is just wrestling. Like it's stereotypes, yeah, I understand are that easier a lot of reads were like that. It sucks. It still sucks, though. It's not the worst racism in this episode. Uh, that's for damn sure. Uh, but it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. Um, I did find it funny that Bobby Heenan, it, they, the whole gimmick of this story for for the show is that he's been replaced by Rob Bartlett. But then after this first match, they immediately throw to a promo uh, by uh, uh, it's uh, Bobby Heenan. Uh, uh, it's OK. I guess he's here for this part and then he can go back to being outside and not being talked about again. Mm-hmm. But he is introducing or, or teasing a wrestler named Narcissus, who is uh, who's going to come and beat up Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig. And uh, sure, you don't know anything about Narcissus, I'm, I'm guessing. No, no. Other than no. this, whatever this preview is, I will say, uh, though, before we get too far away from the, the stereotypes yeah. and the racism, 
um, uh, the show Glow. Have you mm-hmm. seen that one? Gorgeous Ladies maybe, of Wrestling. Yes, yeah. of course. Maybe we'll have a, an episode about that, but they uh, everything I know about racist gimmicks in wrestling, I've learned from that show. Um, so maybe we'll eventually <laughs> talk about the show. But that show is very yeah. good. And it, it is good. It talks about that era of wrestling, or mm-hmm. before it also, the 80s. Yeah, it's, it's a great show. Um, Narcissus would eventually end up being called the Narcissist because I think people had trouble pronouncing or writing <laughs> Narcissus. This is a wrestling show after all. Sure. Um, and then when Hulk Hogan would leave the WWE and go to WCW famously, um, nar- the Narcissist would step up in a become the new big blonde patriotic muscle guy named Lex Luger. Okay, that, a, that he, one I've heard of, yes. Yeah, he was a big deal. He also went to WCW eventually, too, but he was... Uh, it, it was kind of funny to me, because I didn't know who Narcissus was, so I'm just watching this and going, yeah, okay, who the fuck's Narcissus? I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Lex Luger. I know that guy. He sucks. <laughs> but, I feel like there were a lot of name changes during these eras. Absolutely. Uh, oh, yeah. I, like, if one gimmick isn't working, you just throw it away and you, yeah. you bring up the next. That That's why somebody like The Undertaker is amazing, that he has kept... I mean, even, but even the, Undertaker the Undertaker has gone through errors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the Undertaker went through a couple different name changes and slight tweaks to his gimmick. Yeah. I rode a motorcycle down at one point. Now now he went back to being a dead man. Yeah, they, they've done a lot of different things. Um, the next match is the Steiner brothers against the Beverly brothers, but they also call them the executioners at one point. I don't think they know what these guys were. This is also uh, a squash match. Uh, the, the Beverly brothers are enhancement talent in that they are enhancing the other wrestlers here. Um, the Steiners, they're actually pretty good wrestlers. Uh, in general, it's not just like a big gimmick of, Oh, this guy, this guy's big. And he sat on a guy. Uh, these guys know how to fucking wrestle because they both wrestled, uh, as amateurs in in college, uh, I know in your notes you mentioned, hey, one guy's wearing a University of Michigan jacket, and they probably would not be able to get away with that uh, today, right? Uh, yeah, like both of them come out in the the Michigan Letterman jackets, and this is at what I said in the notes. Also, this is sort of at the height of the U of M's powers because this is right around the Fab Four era in college basketball, which you're a big college basketball fan, so. You know about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's wild that a university sanctioned this or they either didn't sanction this and they got away with it because I cannot imagine, especially a a university as prestigious as the University of Michigan, ever signing off on an event like this. So I'll tell you, Uh, I'll tell you this. It's not. Give me some background. It's not 100 percent a gimmick. Both of these guys actually wrestled at University of Michigan. Um, Rick Steiner specifically was like uh was a, a very big wrestler who won a lot of stuff for them. I don't think he won like a national championship, but he uh won a lot of stuff. He was he was a top wrestler for them in his day. Uh and Scott Steiner also wrestled uh quite well as well. So But I would assume that t- to wear the Letterman jacket on I, national TV I don't know, man. need some sort of uh, you could be right. Sign off. There there's been another wrestler, uh, his name is Chris Nowitzki who uh, famously went to Harvard. And so his wrestling gimmick was, I went to Harvard. So obviously I'm smarter than you. He wore a lot of Harvard stuff. Uh, He ended up getting a bunch of concussions. And now is the guy that everyone talks to when uh, they were talking about concussion protocols. He he stopped wrestling because he had too many concussions. So now he's like the one who's fighting a lot for 
NFL players who are getting concussions and, and helping them. And, and because he's Harvard educated, he knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, so he's... I was talking, I was talking to a Harvard graduate the other day and I'd, I've known him for five or six years and I never knew that he went to, to Harvard. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you, why did you never tell me you went to Harvard? And he's like, because that's the first thing that everyone remembers about you. And then Fair whenever enough. you do something remotely dumb, <laughs> people are like, Oh, good job. Uh, Harvard boy, like yeah. you could trip real, walking real down the sidewalk, and they'd be like, "Oof!" They didn't teach you how to walk at Harvard, so <laughs> it's just funny to me that it's like you. There's like two poles. You either bury that information about yourself for the rest of your life, or it becomes your entire identity. Yeah, and when you're a wrestler, uh, things becoming your entire identity is kind of the whole point. <laughs> That's the gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the point is here. The Steiners are like incredibly athletic. Uh, Pierce, there, I good. we're not going to do this about exciting. every wrestler, but I have to tell you about Scott Steiner, who is one of my favorite wrestlers. Go quickly. This cannot be more than an hour long. That's, Jesus Christ. That's untrue. This could be more than an hour long, but we're going to try to keep it as short as possible. Scott Steiner wrestled <laughs> as a team uh, with his brother until 1998 when he joined the NWO and WCW and started his own singles career. He is also known as Big Papa Pump and the Genetic Freak. <laughs> Uh, okay uh scott steiner had some massive biceps that he would dramatically kiss uh and he would come out to a klaxon wearing a chainmail headdress he is my favorite wrestler <laughs> i gotta love that last part okay. he is a multi-time world now. champion and tag champion uh and he's just one of the best and dumbest wrestlers of all time pierce for the love of god uh please google steiner math um, not now, after the show. And, okay. and please watch the, the clip of Steiner Math. It is the most amazing thing. Uh, from 2016 to 2020, he and his wife owned a Shoney's restaurant in Georgia, uh, and he currently wrestles for the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA, and was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2022, or is being inducted this year um, as part, or was inducted. I think that's already over at this point. Um, he's, st he's still wrestling? Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. He's more of like okay, an enforcer guy. Uh, okay. he's got bleach blonde hair at this point. So he's the guy with the long mullet and the, the black and green tights in this episode. Um, he would go on to, to, uh, have much shorter hair. He would bleach his entire face and facial hair with, uh, to just be bleach white, except for one tiny strip down, <laughs> uh, down his chin, um, or his lower lip to his chin it's beautiful. He is he is the platonic ideal of a pro wrestler. He is also a huge piece of shit, but he is my favorite wrestler of all time. He's so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Keep it uh, anyway. They uh, they, they, yeah, they, they squash. They squash. They, they do squash. well. Uh, I think the the bummer here is that Doink the Clown shows up. Doink the Clown is a famous WWF character at the time. He's a clown that walks around he's messes with fans messes with wrestlers occasionally wrestled himself um i'm not going to get into the story of doing the clown he's he sucks. yeah he's yeah yeah this oh, multiple people uh went on to become doing the clown also he had a sidekick at one point called dink dink the clown who was a little person uh, who was also dressed up in the clown makeup. It's bad <laughs> wrestling wrestling it's bad, it's bad. Uh, completely uninteresting uh, as well um so then we got an interview with Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall. Um, he is associated with Bobby Heenan Stable as well. He's going to be taking on Bret Hart at the Royal Rumble for the title. By the way, he loses that because Yokozuna has to win it from Bret Hart at the uh, at the. 
and, WrestleMania. And I assume the Royal Rumble is pay-per-view. Is that what you It is. You it is one of the big pay-per-views. Um, okay. Now they call it one of the big four. It's WrestleMania as the biggest, the grandest stage of them all. Uh, the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series are the the WWF's big four pay-per-views, even though they have one every month. Um, those are the, the four important ones in those kind of four quadrants of the of the year. Like the majors in golf. Same thing. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Royal Rumble, its gimmick is that there is one match called the Royal Rumble where 30 men are in the ring at one time and... Whoever is the the last one to stay in the ring, like not get thrown out and have their feet touch the floor, uh, is the winner. And that person gets to go on to WrestleMania to uh, wrestle the champion, which is why Yokozuna won. He's a large man. It's hard to get him over the ropes. So uh, he he won that rumble and then he won the championship. Good for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Razor Ramon interview, I, I, I understood that it was a promotion for the next match by the pay-per-view, yada, yada, yada. I thought he they're doing business yeah. pierce uh he, i thought it was hilarious hearing him speak because he's just uh-huh al pacino and scarface um yeah to the point where he even says say hello to my little something or other and what's crazy to me is i think scarface came out in 1980 maybe 1981 or mm-hmm. something this is 13 years after that <laughs> this like cultural touch point is kind of old at that point um and yet <laughs> I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. You got a, a white guy doing a Cuban accent. And Again, um, I'm not going to explain every little thing here, yeah. but I will say that uh, Scott Hall, when he was looking for a gimmick, when he when he got hired at WWF and was and they were trying to find him something to do, something to be, uh, he jokingly said, well, you know, I could do like a Scarface accent. And he he did it as a joke. And they they went, oh, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. And that ended up becoming his whole fucking character, and he did not mean it to be, but it caught on. Yeah, he's speaking very slowly. Yeah, in this oh yeah, interview. absolutely. He's trying very hard to keep it. In, in the <laughs> and accent. you even said like, oh, it's a little ham-fisted that Vince McMahon says, oh, he's he's a bad guy. Um, no, that's that's like literally his. <laughs> that was that was literally his yeah. uh, his nickname is he's the bad guy. <laughs> The literal quote is, he's a bad guy, people. We need. I need to make this explicitly yeah. clear. Chase isn't uh, paraphrasing yeah. here. Vince says, he's a bad yeah. guy, so that the whole audience knows he's but, a bad guy. No, I, but like that's his actual nickname. He was the bad guy. Oh, my God. Fuck wrestling. I'm not – don't even skip this question in the next episode. I'm not watching another episode of this. Uh, yeah, that's like Big Papa Pump. He was also just known as the bad guy. So when somebody said he's a bad guy, they're saying his nickname, not not just explaining okay. that he's a bad guy. What's the next match, Chase? Uh, I fucking love wrestling. <laughs> Um, then we get probably one of the best matches of the night, uh, or the best match of the night, and that is the uh, Intercontinental title match again, uh, between Max Moon and the champion Shawn Michaels. Um, the World championship, the world Heavyweight Championship, that's usually held by your biggest earner, the guy who's going to put the butts in seats, your most popular dude. But the Intercontinental title, that is usually for your most athletic guy or your your best like pure wrestler guy like this is the guy who's going to put on a great match every night and and just make people feel good and at this point that's Shawn michaels Shawn michaels would end up becoming one of the best pro wrestlers ever and uh like often sometimes people say that the uh intercontinental title is like the the your stepping stone to the world heavyweight championship because 
if you're that good then you're probably going to to move up and eventually be that good in the future and the reason they say that is kind of because Shawn Michaels like Shawn Michaels is just that good of a dude at doing this thing um you had some notes about him what, yeah what i wasn't you kind sure of think if, about so in wrestling there's faces and there's heels there faces being the good guys heels being mm-hmm. the bad guys i wasn't sure which one he was yeah <laughs> like, i think he's 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 supposed to be pretty like a face he's he's this like heartbreaker he has this mullet he's blonde. he's the heartbreak kid that was yeah one oh, of oh his, is that what his thing okay his nickname is the heartbreak um, kid john michaels at one point he says like he points he looks at the camera and he says this face has broken so many homes and the announcers specifically vince mcmahon are like oh god this guy <laughs> so i wasn't sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> i you know what he's he's been both a lot of wrestlers have gone back and forth uh okay. i think it, i think at this point he is more of like a a narcissist that yeah at least the ladies Pretty like boy. and the guys yeah. maybe didn't like as much but he's still he's he's kind of playing a tweener role max moon is he, supposed to be more of the the face in this match though where he's okay so he Shawn looks Michaels, like the mortal Kombat guy <laughs> like that's that's uh, his whole thing is like <laughs> okay that makes sense yeah hey mortal Kombat's a big deal let's make a wrestler who kind of looks like mortal Kombat. yeah but not Shawn glacier Michaels, that's a different was... guy who looks like mortal Kombat. sean sean michaels is sort of like a um early 90s action hero that you'd see um not jean-claude van damme but built like that mm-hmm. i don't know yeah yeah i could see how he'd be like a marketable star whether he, you love him or hate him he's yeah I, billboards. he just ended up being this amazing pro wrestler um and went on to do a lot of things he is the current uh head of nxt which is the developmental brand for for wwf or wwe now sorry um so he's he's in a bigger role triple h is a guy you know this is his best friend at at the time and and moving forward so those two have always been tight and triple h is the is like the head guy at wwe now that that vince is gone um so that makes some sense uh another interesting thing rob bartlett does a terrible mike tyson accent through this entire match (laughs) i didn't rewind rewind showing my age i didn't go back to like see how this came up at some point i just heard this very bad mike tyson expression was there any sort of segue into this i'm trying um, to remember how they got there too and i just don't yeah. know it was i think it was like he an does offhand it for a comment. very long time he yeah. does it for a very long time and it feels like he's doing it like as a bit that was meant to be a bit that was pre-written ahead of time at least parts of it were and then it definitely goes on too long. And you can you can just tell from the way Vince is talking. I'm like, well, uh, that's not what we're doing here. And let's yeah. get back to the match. And it's so bad. Um, interestingly enough, Shawn Michaels would have a match with Mike Tyson much later in the Attitude Era. Uh, um, and actually, that's where I think Shawn drops the belt to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think that's WrestleMania 14. If I'm if I'm correct, I don't know. Mike Tyson was like a special guest referee. This is like the height height of Degeneration X and all that shit. Um, okay. Anyway, but yes, Mike Mike Tyson did some stuff in wrestling. He also came in and did some stuff in AEW, and it was fucking awful because he's way older and way yeah, worse. Right. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, man, what what this? Um, so, I mean, the 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 guy, the three guys, uh, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Um, Vince McMahon and Rob Bartlett are commentating throughout. And there's some attempt from McMahon and uh, Macho Man, even though Macho Man never drops his own gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they Both of them try to at least uh, analyze the, the matches as if they were real 
athletic events. And, yeah. and it, it takes a lot of athleticism to perform these things, but they almost treat it like it's a uh, play-by-play in a, in a football game or um yeah, you you announce like the moves. You yeah, you there's, talk there's about some the, sort of the like, clash of styles that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and and Bartlett is, I I'm putting this in quotes, comedic relief. He's mm-hmm. the color guy, but he just seems so desperate for attention. And eventually, when they get to this match and he starts doing the Mike Tyson impression, it's like he he thinks he found something that is funny or memorable or someone out there will relate to it and think this is this is the great comedy this is i'm referencing something that's very popular at the time mike tyson he references oprah winfrey at one point um there earlier in the match there was a there's a reference to gary coleman there's like a lot of cultural touchstones that rob bartlett i feel like is grasping for throughout this match yeah um and it is it's painful now i it feels painful then also just based on what you were saying about like Vince's and, and Macho Man's Yeah, this one just this one just yeah. dies on the vine and it's especially egregious considering this is the only match that isn't really a squash match. Like every other match on this on this card is one guy obviously being better than another guy, or in the case of the tag team, one tag team being way better than the other guy. Yeah. This is the most competitive match by far. Uh and they're trying to do it justice and it's just not it's just not getting through because you got one guy doing a dumbass impression and embarrassing himself and everyone else. Um, yeah. I mean, this happens on weekly television now where a lot of these matches, cause you want to build up to pay-per-views, you want to build up your guys. So you, you don't want to give away too much good stuff for free. So you don't see a lot of title matches on, on weekly episodes of television. You, you usually wait for the title match to, to be at the pay-per-view. You build up your challenger. He beats a few guys, some shenanigans happen where, you know, maybe he was going to beat somebody that, you know, would would beat the champion. Or even if they do have title matches, shenanigans happens to like, oh, well, didn't get him that time because of because of some bullshit. But, it, you know, in a fair fight, these two guys probably would have a much better match. And maybe you should watch that fair fight on our pay-per-view that you should pay yeah. us for. Um, so I think it's interesting that they do have a title match here that is competitive and is a good, solid match uh, in a in a sea of another three or four matches here that are absolutely not um but yeah man bartlett just ruins it he stinks yeah Uh, he only lasts a few months he that's good he he gets kicked off pretty quickly as they realize uh wait this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and he ruins everything let's get him out of here (laughs) it it was like this this match and the in the match before even though like the the tag team match where they crush them what, what are the michigan guys called again i already forgot steiner brothers in one yeah the steiner brothers in one year out the other um the athleticism of the of the wrestlers is becoming more apparent and it's exciting to watch it's it is like dancing it's um the the cohesion between two wrestlers whatever routine that they planned out beforehand is just fun like you're just transfixed by it i can see why people would get into this um if, and it really does help that it's live like this it does it does yeah to to know that it's something that you're watching with your own two eyes and it's actually happening is way different from oh hey we're all in a studio and let's go back and take a look at what happened this last week like there's just an energy that you lose out of that and this is just so much so much better um we might have skipped over it i don't really remember where it was but we we should probably very quickly mention the part where they do check in 
uh, with the news, and they go back to a, a house house show match that had uh, Kamala in it. Uh, this is was... after after this match. There's this check in. Got there's it. Bobby yeah. Heen playing a very stereotypical stereotypical Orthodox right. Jew. Yeah, very anti-Semitic. Uh, fuck that. Yep. Um, he also the less we say about one that, time, and that also yep. sucks. Uh, yep, he does. He does a lot of stuff because he just wants to get in, and he just wants hey, to get that's in, his so we... disguise, and yeah. they're all bad. They're all being racist. Bad. That's how I get into this thing. Pretty much uh, being anti-Semitic. That's how I get into this thing. Being I mean, transphobic. You... That's how I get into this thing. <laughs> you'd um, uh, you'd fit in better if you were those things at the time. Yep. Uh, but anyway, yeah, d they do this flashback uh, without any. Um, not, I don't know if you want to call it a flashback, but it, to me, it seemed like a flashback to a previous match that isn't at this arena. Yeah, it's like a, it's a check in like on no what's context. going on in the WWE <laughs> at this time. They they barely give you any context. They say like, oh, let's let's look at what happened, blah blah blah, and then immediately go to it. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, with Kamala, who is a, a, a an African American wrestler, um, larger guy, and they they absolutely just painted a bunch of tribal shit on him to be weird, savagey African man. And it sucks. And he's got like two safari handler guys who also suck. But, you know, he gains sympathy from the crowd because he's being this mistreated, basically King Kong style guy of, you know, he's he's just some kind of animal who's trapped. And, you know, he goes out and dances when they tell him to dance. Um, but this time it's good because the the slick Christian preacher guy comes out and <laughs> tells him he doesn't need to be controlled. Who's by also these black. Two guys. It, Who's it's also black. Yes, to, that's, to that recognize is, that. that's, like, a it, that's a fair to point. To me, without any any context, there was almost like a. Um, yeah, he didn't seem like a Christian preacher to me. Um, it seemed like I don't want to say it was like a Malcolm X, like black empowerment type yeah. figure coming out but it almost seemed like that where it's like these fucking white safari dudes are controlling you and you don't have to do that and then he starts rebelling against them and it's like at that point it was like whoa is this a commentary like is he destroying the colonizers yes yeah. and then <laughs> kinda, it really, but also kind of not, yeah. not really yeah they don't really uh -huh. commit to it and then it cuts really early like you don't actually get to see the rest of the fights yeah they run away the the preacher guy's name by the way is slick so you know that's great one yep. step forward two steps back early 90s yep. kinda... new jack city <laughs> sure yeah a little bit a little bit um let's let's move on to our final match here which is the main event between damien demento and the undertaker undertaker yeah. is one of the most popular wrestlers of all time and is at this point in his career as well uh damien demento is just a big dude with a with a weird haircut who acts like he's crazy which is he's crazy. you know what that's a he's good demented. description for half of these wrestlers <laughs> yeah. uh this but is also, also like the undertaker's being controlled by someone named yeah. paul uh -huh. bearer yeah uh, which oh, is a great fantastic. name actually i kind of love that <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. but like even even paul bearer uh, himself is like <laughs> slightly off the uh mat with a urn and he's controlling the undertaker as if he were a genie mm -hmm. from this thing but he still has like the eye rolling very like hammy yeah. uh quote-unquote crazy faces that you would probably make if you were trying to do a shortcut to explain who this person was had you never heard paul bearer before no have you never seen her i know the undertaker okay. because the undertaker okay. has, has uh, a long legacy but i don't know what paul bearer is no 
Paul Bear talks like this. <laughs> it's he's he's uh, fantastic. Also, Paul Bear, uh, real name William Moody, uh, worked as a manager for WWE until the year 2000. Uh, he managed Kane, uh, he managed Undertaker, but he also managed Mankind, Kane, and Big Van Vader. Um, he worked at some other promotions too, but he's mostly WWE. Um, he died in, in 2013 from a heart attack um, and was posthumously inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014. But he is actually a licensed funeral director. So uh, that's cool. kind of where he got his name <laughs> like and why it worked. It's very good. Um, the, uh, so this was a squash match. Uh, Undertaker wins. He, he does his walk the rope move, which is very cool. Uh, he's one of the only guys who, who really does that, especially in this Just era. Tombstone. Um, and he does his tombstone pile driver at the end, which is his finisher. Very good stuff. Uh, he had, he had not started doing the choke slam yet. Uh, I don't believe, but that's another okay. one of his big signature. I know what those, that move is as well. Yeah. The, the choke slam from hell. Um, but, uh, <laughs> a little, little thing about Damian Demento. He didn't wrestle very long for WWE. Um, he, uh, he ended his career in WWE in 1993. He's done some independent stuff, but there's a there's a uh, interview I found a text only interview from the internet um, Wayback Machine. <laughs> That's how I found this, um, where he's some guy is talking to him about his post career. And he's talking about his work as an artist and a sculptor now. So that's just that's just nice. I think that's I think awesome. that's cool that yeah. Damien Demento become an artist. <laughs> Life is a rich tapestry. Yeah. You just you do it wherever your heart carries yeah. you each time. And don't be afraid to reinvent yourself. <laughs> uh, the Undertaker, of course, he wrestled for WWE from 1990 to 2020, becoming one of the most famous and popular wrestlers of all time. He's a seven time world champion, a seven time tag team champion a WWF hardcore champion and also the winner of the 2007 Royal Rumble. And he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame this year as well in 2022. I wish he was a, a six time champion, a six time something or other and a six time something. That would have been other. cool. That would have been cool. That'd yeah. Be sick. Uh, he also famously had a big streak of WrestleMania matches where he won. He was like 21 and Oh, at WrestleMania. And then, um, the the current champion right now Roman Reigns beat him at WrestleMania or Brock Le sorry Brock Lesnar did it first um, and then and then Roman Reigns also beat him uh, so he's like twenty one and two or something as his streak of WrestleManias which is still some impressive thing because you only do one WrestleMania a year uh, so you got to wrestle at least twenty three years to even be on that on that uh that cool. ability um pretty pretty neat he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. Um, and he's he's just got uh, a great gimmick that he kept making fresh. Everything. It's a great gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the his legacy lives on in memes and in short little clips that resurface on the internet every once in a while. The um, the the I guess you'd call it a meme, but the clip that has become a meme of him like emerging from the casket yep. over and over again. I just love I love his whole shtick. I I love this the sort of like Adam's family macabre like dark mm -hmm. side thing i love that it well like it's just great it's just classic it's it, i what i said in the notes what i'll say here is that it it hasn't aged poorly it has aged very well um and to this day even more so maybe even back then like there is a certain subset of people that and myself included that i love that dark grimy like undead it's shtick good. like i'm here for it's it 
like let's do it the bells tolling in the background is ah oh, it just gets me amped up like it makes me want to wrestle when i hear that it, shit. it is so good um he he's got a very storied career i'm not going to get into the multiple undertakers that happened at one point uh there was <laughs> we're not going to get into that um uh, but he's had so many big eras of his career he's done so many different things um you know, you talk about that sit-up move that he did in the casket, but he also just does that in the ring. Like, somebody will do their big finisher on him, and they're like, okay, that fucking killed him. He can't do anything now. And then he just sits up like he's waking from the dead, and they go, oh, fuck, yeah. ah, what are we going to do? Look at this man. He's he's impossible <laughs> to kill. Um, and then yeah. he just comes and murders you because he's the fucking Undertaker. Um, we mentioned Biker Taker at one point. That was an era of him in, like, the, the mid-2000s where he uh, had a fucking Fred Durst Limp Biscuit song. Uh, he had Roland as his theme music, <laughs> not quite the bells, uh, but then he'd come out on his fucking uh, chopper uh, chopper motorcycle and drive around the ring before he'd get in there. Uh, that was a good time. He's he's done a lot of stuff. He's had a lot of different theme songs, but eventually he would go back to just the bells tolling um, some lightning power gimmick stuff that he had at one point um, mm. and just like pale rider stuff of, OK, I've got I've got my my hat that I pull the brim way down low when i do take my hat off i roll my eyes back in my head and so i just you all you see are the whites of my eyes i look like i'm dead he's amazing he's just it's, it's great he's not a, he's not a good person <laughs> as most wrestlers are uh but uh, or most wrestlers aren't most wrestlers are pieces of shit uh mark calloway uh is not a, a good dude either but um, you know, he at least knew his shit when it came to, came to us. The gimmick we like. We're, we're supporting the gimmick yes, here. Yes, absolutely. So that's where they should have ended the show. And then they decided, ah, what if we gave you just a little bit more? And we get this no, this just nothing thing at the end where Doink the Clown has been around the crowd. He hasn't even really affected the wrestling at all. He's just been there. And finally, Vince does an interview with him of like, hey, you make children cry. Why are you doing that? And then another wrestler named Crush comes out who, oh boy, Crush. Uh, <laughs> he just wants he wants you to stop making the little kids cry, brother. Um, <laughs> and then they run around the ring a little bit and nothing happens. And that's the end yeah. of the show. And it falls flat on his fucking face. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so little cohesion to this entire episode, especially narrative wise. Like, even the gimmicks, I don't really understand how they interlock. It seemed very confusing to me the entire time. Yeah. There was no, um, yeah, there's no like uh, connective tissue, no cohesive narrative. Yeah, all. and I think um, part of that is, hey, this is a new format and a new show. We're trying to build new stuff. It's live. Um, also. It's yeah, yeah, it's also live, but. I feel like there is some story stuff here. It's certainly not the storytelling they do today in wrestling where you can you can do a little bit more. But you do have, you know, somebody coming out like Razor doing his interview about here's this yep. upcoming match that I have and here's why it's important and here's why I'm going to beat you. Uh, you know, I took out your brother, Owen Hart, but like you build up some of that. Oh, well, Bret Hart must hate this guy because he attacked his family. You can't attack a man's family. Um but you know he's he's getting that he's getting that cheap heat of you know I'm saying that the crowd sucks uh, I'm saying that your champion sucks I'm saying that I kicked your kicked your brother's ass and now I'm coming after you so like they're they're building some story stuff here yeah it's still not very good <laughs> no but, you know there's enough for me like if I were to watch this live I'd be like I really like the Undertaker yeah. and I don't like Shawn Michaels <laughs> good. Um, 
So that's, I'm going to see next week to see if like. And that's what they want. That's that's exactly what they yeah. want. They want you to be like, I don't like this guy. I want to see him get his ass kicked or I like this guy. I want to see him kick somebody other somebody else's ass. Uh, so yeah. in that sense, I think this is a very successful show, despite the Rob Bartlett and knowing that he got kicked to the curb only a couple months later makes me feel better about this whole thing. But this is a weird era of wrestling. Like we mentioned at the top, this is this is not the the best moment of wrestling that would come a couple years later when wcw would enter the enter the ring and then you'd have the monday night wars that's that when the attitude era was happening you had competition you had people you know paying more money for stuff you had people trying to up their game and that ended up being you know it also has its faults there's a lot of terrible shit that happened in the attitude era as well especially around women uh but like that that was a more popular time for wrestling and weirdly enough as as much as people look back and go oh the attitude era that was when wrestling was wrestling um it it, wrestling has never been more popular than it is right now the the views that they get today are way higher than what they got in the past and i think a lot of that is that they've wwe especially has shifted into a more family-friendly thing um you know you're not getting your bra and panties matches like you did in the attitude era um but right. you you are getting there are more people on this planet also <laughs> true very true <laughs> uh, and when you open your audience to be more focused on kids you might not have somebody like pierce's parents going well there's there's nothing there's nothing for you here we can't we we don't want you watching that garbage because now somebody might go like well yeah i'll take you to some wrestling why not that, that's a fun silly family yeah. thing that we can do together Better than you looking at your yeah. phone. Yeah, kind of but thing. now they're looking yeah. at their phone playing WWE Supercard, which is a terrible game. Don't let kids play that. That sucks. Terrible gotcha game. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up, Pierce. I think we've done enough. Um, Pierce, yep. I will ask you, do you think you're going to watch any more Raw after this? I don't yeah. think so. I, I, I you mean, didn't, you I, didn't I, subscribe I think, to Peacock right after this so you can watch every episode of WWF not, no. Raw I've made? No. Wow. I, um... I have a lot of stuff that I watch, especially live. I, I watch a lot of sports. Uh, after we're done recording this episode, I'm going to watch the Bucks play the Warriors, and and Steph Curry is is much more uh, accessible and better television than anything that WWE can offer. Wow. Me. Um, also, go Bucks. Giannis <laughs> is uh, a Greek god, and he is an actual role model that everyone should look up to. He ate um, a lot of chicken nuggets, but one time, yeah, and he ate. He he likes chicken nuggets. Who um, doesn't? Yeah, I, I, I don't really anticipate it. I do – one of the things I like about this podcast but also about watching certain episodes of this time is that it is really cool to see a snapshot in time like that. Um, you know, maybe I'm old man yelling at clouds, but it's cool to see, like, a, a huge audience and no one has their phone out recording yeah. shit. Um, it's cool to see the hairstyles, the – that we didn't get any ads in between this, but – even like the the promotions in between, like just to see like what was of value to to people at that time, like what were the cultural references? You know, so we sh- it's fun seeing this. Sorry, kind of stuff. we should mention one thing. This is an hour long. This was this was like a, a 35, 40 minute thing without commercials. Uh, Raw is now three fucking hours long. <laughs> that's a yeah, lot that's of time. Even back absurd. in my day, it was like an hour and a half, two hours. But now now it's ballooned to this three hour thing. I mean, there's there's been over a thousand episodes of Raw at this point. It's a very it's a very popular and long running show. Um, but it also just feels 
so long in the tooth to have three hours plus there's another show that they do smackdown which happens on fridays now that's another two hours uh plus they do nxt on tuesdays so that's another hour um and then if you watch a pay-per-view that's another <laughs> like three to five hours uh even wrestlemania they broke into two separate days because they just had too many matches so now it's there's a lot of fucking wrestling and that's not e- that's just wwe that's not even talking about aew or the other promotions that are happening as well um there's a lot of wrestling happening right now but um i i found it breezy to watch 35 minutes of a of an episode of raw from the 1990s and went like oh wow man if only wrestling could be this short and quick all the time this rules (laughs) i'm with you yeah uh all right well pierce i think it's time to go to the plug zone um anything you want to mention stuff going on uh so i always promote some kind of album uh during this i'm not going to promote an album i'm going to promote one song so uh there is a rapper his name is remble and he has a song that he kind of like became famous for a couple years ago called uh gordon ramsay freestyle and in Gordon Ramsay Freestyle, there is a reference to Shawn Michaels, oh, who appears in this episode. All right. So if you got two and a half minutes, listen to it, watch the video. It's very funny. He's he's a very funny rapper. He delivers this sort of deadpan deliver delivery. Uh, he delivers his bars that way. I mean, um, and yeah, he has a he has a reference to Shawn Michaels as sort of a throwaway line. Uh, but it's it's just funny that like I didn't know Shawn Michaels uh, through anything but this one rap song <laughs> from two years ago, three years ago. Um, so it was cool to see like, oh, that's what he's, that's what he's referencing this guy. Um, so yeah, well, that's very nice. I like that. Um, as for me, I've got a couple things. I do, um, a show called the casual hour with my good friends, Bobby Pease and Johnny Amazich. We're actually in the middle of our game of the year, uh, episodes right now. We're in this week of game of the year stuff. So we're, we're talking about different categories, like our best new character of 2022 or, the, the game that had the best style of 2022 uh, and then we'll be going through our top tens as well you can watch us do that stuff live on twitch at 10 30 p.m central on twitch.tv slash the casual hour uh, we also have a youtube channel that is the casual hour you can just search for that and find it um that we they put up quick looks and and the our archives of our streams and things like that we do a lot of stuff there uh, but i'm excited it's game of the year time it's always a fun time and then um, also I have a YouTube channel of my own called Chasey K Plays, and I don't have the URL at the moment. So, you know, just just search. It's, it's not uh, Chasey K Plays. Search. I remember we yeah, yeah, this. I don't know. I got the handle for it okay. now. I don't know how the handles work, but it's whatever. People have yeah, Google. Just search Chasey, Chasey, Chasey K, K Plays on YouTube. Google. You'll find it. But I do some Let's Play stuff. I'm currently playing through SteamWorld Heist, which is a fun game. That's been slow going, though, because, you know, the whole game of the year thing. Um, has me pretty busy with that for the show though uh, you can follow pilot program on twitter as long as twitter is still a thing uh, at pilot program pod and uh, and you can follow me at chase underscore kenneke pierce i know you don't use your twitter anymore probably i deleted it actually wow Wow. bold solidarity look at you wow edgy that's what that's what people call me uh progressive edgy a lot of people call yeah, that. That's, that's what I've always said. Uh, Pierce, would you like to tell the folks at home what our next episode is going to be about? Uh, I'm super excited remember? about it. Okay, yes, you do remember. Do. Okay, good, good. Yes, uh, we are going to watch MASH. Yeah. 
M star A star S star H. Based on the hit movie. I, I'm excited. I've uh, I know things about MASH. Uh, I know people who have been on MASH that uh, went on to do other things, but I have never seen MASH myself. Uh, you've seen MASH, though, right? Like, this is, have, this is yeah. one where was... you get to tell me about a thing. It is. Yeah, it's a show fun. I watched with my mom a lot growing up. Nice. So I'm excited to revisit it. Well, I'm, I'm excited we'll for that. We'll probably watch more episodes after that. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Well, all right. Um, until then, thank you very much for flying with us here at Pilot Program, and we will see you next time. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. In other words.